This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, John Roseman, and the show is called Because I Said So. And by the way, People have said, uh, why do you call it because I said so? Well, the first reason I call it because I said so is because I am a guy who happens to believe that we used to know how to raise children. I am a member of the last generation of American children to be, generally speaking, raised properly. My generation failed to raise children properly. My kids' generation are, generally speaking, failing properly to raise children properly. This is now uh, two generations old, children being raised improperly. And I am, for those of you who are just uh, joining the show for the first time, I am a psychologist. I am licensed by the North Carolina Psychology Board. I've said this many times. I say it in every speaking venue across the United States during my travels as a public speaker. I say it in my uh, newspaper column, I say it on this radio show that I don't believe in psychology. Now, mind you now, I have a license to practice psychology issued by the North Carolina Psychology Board. I do not believe in psychology. I am not a Christian psychologist. I am a Christian who happens to hold a license to practice psychology issued by the North Carolina Psychology Board. I have nothing to do with psychology. When I counsel people, I counsel them from a biblical perspective. I do not counsel them from the perspective of bogus psychological theory. And believe me, folks, it's all bogus. So because I said so, back to that, I tend to go off on tangents. If you've not joined the show you before, you need to get used to this because this is what I do. But I always come back to where I started from. <laughs> So because I said so, I believe in the old way. I don't believe in the new way. We embraced the new way beginning in 1965, and it's been a train wreck. I don't know if you've noticed that. I believe in the old way. I believe in the way that I was raised. I believe in the way my parents were raised. I believe in the way children were raised 500 and 3,000 years ago. I believe that... We used to know how to raise children, and we need to recover that knowledge before it is lost forever, and that's my ministry in the world, and especially across the United States. I have spoken out there in the world. I've spoken in uh, Istanbul, Barcelona, Brussels, England, London, South America, Canada, the West Indies, and so on and so forth, but mostly my ministry is to parents in the United States. The purpose or the mission of my ministry is to restore traditional biblically-based parenting to America's homes. And yes, I know that's a daunting challenge, but you know, if you, if, if, if you don't take on daunting challenges, you're not going to really accomplish that much in, in, in the world. And I'm a guy who just, uh, I enjoy taking on daunting challenges. I know that single-handedly I am not going to restore traditional biblically-based parenting in all of America's households. We've gone beyond the point, believe me, where that can be done. But 
I still believe in the efficacy of my mission pertaining to people who will stop, give my message consideration, and put it to work in their homes. I keep hearing from parents all over the country. And by the way, I take no credit for this. But I keep hearing from parents all over the country, John, it's working. It's working. It's just amazing how easy it is. Uh, right. Yeah, it is. It's easy. Uh, it's, it's simple. It's, it's non-complicated. God's uh, instructions on how to raise children are non-complicated. There are five. I mean, really, and I hope I can remember them all, but here they are. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, put your marriage first. Don't be in a primary relationship with your children. Be in a primary relationship with your spouse. And the principle here is that there is nothing that causes a child a greater degree of security and well-being than the knowledge that his parents are in a committed relationship. Notice I didn't say perfect. I said committed. It's impossible for a marriage to be perfect. Two sinful people cannot have a perfect marriage. I know people sometimes say my parents had a perfect marriage. No, they didn't. You know, we have a perfect marriage. No, you don't. But, you know, you have a good marriage. And your parents were good people, good God-fearing people, and that's wonderful. But nobody has a perfect marriage. But uh, nothing gives a child a greater sense of security and well-being than the knowledge that his parents are in a committed relationship. They love one another. And they demonstrate that love to one another in front of their children on a daily basis. See, here's my contention, folks, while we're on the subject, and I always am on the subject, and that is that if you are married first and a parent second, your children will entertain themselves. They won't interrupt your conversations. They'll go off and do their own thing. They'll solve most of their own problems. They won't ask for a whole lot of attention. Why are so many children so stressful to their parents? Because their parents are parents first and married somewhere way back there, second, third, or fourth. I don't know what uh, the priority is, but they're parents first. They're mom and dad first and their husband and wife second. And under those circumstances, by the way, when you are mom, you are by definition paying attention to your child. When you are dad, you are by definition paying attention to and doing things for your child. And under those circumstances, children come to feel entitled to your attention and your doing. And under those circumstances, children become demanding, petulant, whining, and just generally stressful to live with. Uh, you want your children to not be stressful, be married first, be husband, wife first, and uh, mom and dad a distant second. And the, you know, I know this sounds revolutionary, folks. It is from the perspective of today's parenting culture. But believe me, this is the way I was raised. My parents were not highly involved with me. In fact, it was my job to keep them from getting involved. And how did I keep them from getting involved? I did the right thing. I uh, accepted responsibility for my own behavior, chores I had been assigned, I did my schoolwork properly and on time. I played fair on the playground. Not that I always did this, 
But that's how I kept them from getting involved with me. And today's parents are involved. They're involved already. There is no requirement under those circumstances on the child. The child is uh, the beneficiary, if that's even a proper term, of a never-ending entitlement program. He's entitled to attention. He's entitled to involvement. He's entitled to things. I maintain that the typical parent-child relationship in America and dun-dun-dun-dun, get ready, sexist alert, mother-child relationship is a codependent relationship. We are normalizing codependency in the mother-child relationship in America. Um, and I, I, I hear people say this who have recovered from this, women who have recovered from this. John, it was just, I mean, you know, I heard you speak, and I heard you speak about the normalization of mother-child codependency, and I heard you describe it. And, and how do I describe it? It's simply a lack of boundaries. There's no physical boundary between mother and child. The f- child, therefore, feels that he can interrupt the mother at will, demand from her at will. And there's no emotional boundary. Whatever the child feels, the mother feels. And so the mother is physically and emotionally exhausted and thinks that the the state of physical and emotional exhaustion is just uh, because she looks around, and that's the way all the mothers are, because we are normalizing codependency in the mother-child relationship. Uh, she looks around, and that's the way all the mothers are. And so she just thinks, well, this is the way it is. You know, children, they're physically and emotionally exhausting. No, they're not. Codependency is physically and emotionally exhausting. If you're physically and emotionally exhausted, it's not because of your child. It's because of you. It's because uh, you are in a codependent relationship with your child, period. End of uh, end of it. Uh, th- that's just it. That's a That's a fact. Unarguable fact. And I hear women all across the country, they come up to me at speaking engagements, they write me emails. I'll read you one, in fact, during the second half of the show, I'll read you one of these emails. And they say, John, I heard you talk, and I realized you were talking about me, and I resigned from the Good Mommy Club, which I talk about a lot, the Good Mommy Club, which is the uh, the sisterhood that uh, reinforces uh, the supposed uh, wonderfulness of mother-child codependency. And I resigned from the good mommy club and, and, and John, my parenting experience, I mean, it, 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 it like months, if not weeks, it turned around 180 degrees and I'm, I'm a happy mom today. I'm not physically exhausted. I'm not emotionally exhausted. My children are a whole lot happier. They're doing their own homework. They're doing chores around the house. Uh, they obey me. They listen to me. They talk respectfully to me. The tantrums have stopped. The sibling warfare has stopped. I mean, folks, uh, a lot, if not all, of the problems that are going on in the American family today are because mom and dad are the primary roles in the American family, and they should not be. The primary role should be husband and wife genesis chapter 2 verse 24 i said i'd give you all five scripture and i will 
the next one is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, but we'll get to that uh, after this uh, break. The show is called Because I Said So. I'm John Rosemond, your host. You can find out more about me by going to my website at John Rosemond, R-O-S-E-M-O-N-D, J-O-H-N, Rosemond.com. And uh, I'm on American Family Radio every Saturday, 5 o'clock uh, Central Time, 6 o'clock Eastern. Hey there, welcome back to the show. Glad you could stay with us. And if you're just joining us, I'm John Rosemond. I'm your host, and the show is called Because I Said So. And yeah, so there are, as I said, five scripture uh, that guide the raising of children, five relevant scripture that constitute God's parenting instructions. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, and the a man shall leave his father and mother. Pause. God mandates emancipation. If your son is living in your house and he is past the age of 22, get him out of there. Men need to leave home. And the man shall, it says. Not, you know, this is a suggestion. I suggest that, uh, you know, maybe young men think about leaving their father and mother. No, no, no. Emancipation on the part of the male is mandated by God. It is part of God's plan. And he, the now emancipated male, will join with his wife. He will take her out of her relationship with her parents and bring her into a primary relationship with him, and they shall become one flesh. That's instruction number one. You should not be in a state of one flesh with your children. And by the way, that does not mean, you know, uh, only the, the term one flesh in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, does not only mean carnal relations. It means to be of one mind, one purpose. It means to see things through the same set of eyes, to become one in relationship. And that is the only relationship in which you should be one. You should not be of one flesh with your children, which you are, by the way, if you occupy primarily the role of mom and not wife, or you occupy primarily the role of dad and not husband. And by the way, that's why you're not on the same page. As husband and wife, you are one. You are on the same page. As mom and dad, you are two. You are on two different pages, seeing things through gender-specific eyes. Uh, the second biblical instruction is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. And again, I don't have a Bible in front of me, so I'm pulling this out uh, spontaneously here. But it says, impress, a powerful word, these commandments upon your children at every possible opportunity as you walk down the road, get ready for bed, rise in the morning, etc., etc., etc. Impress these commandments, godly values, upon your children at every possible opportunity. Explain to your children why you are doing what you are doing and why you are not doing something else, why you are not doing what their friends' parents are doing. 
and explain this in terms of your values and your commitment to living a biblical life. Uh, Ground your children in God's word and uh, ground your children in a biblical understanding of life, a biblical worldview from the earliest possible days. Uh, Root them strongly in a biblical worldview. This is what Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7 is saying. That the discipline of a child, and get this, folks, it's not so much about the child's behavior. It's about training a child to think properly. That's right. We think in America today, today's parents think because of the influence of behavior modification theory that the discipline of a child is all about behavior. But God says, God himself In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, God says, this is about training your children to think properly. This is about impressing a biblical worldview upon your children. The next scripture is found in uh, Proverbs 22, 6, have a long-range plan. Train up the child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Have a long-range plan. Have in the forefront of your parenting mind a vision of the adult you want your child to be when your child is an adult, and aim at that vision every single day. That's what keeps you moving in a straight line. That's in part what it means when it says, that's the parenting application of Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Depend not on your own or man's understandings. I'm adding some words here that are legitimate. I'm not twisting scripture. I'm simply amplifying the scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Depend not on your own or any other man's understandings, and so on and so forth, and he will keep your path straight. There is a direct connection between that scripture and Proverbs 22, 6, where it says, train up the child in the way he should go. If you raise a child moving in a straight line, your child will move in a straight line as an adult. And the next scripture is Proverbs twenty-two fifteen, A little bit further down the page, nine verses further down the page, we find foolishness is bound in the heart of the child, but the rod of discipline, which I've explained many times, does not mean a spanking. The rod is distinguished in Scripture in meaning from a rod. A rod is the way the term rod is used when it refers to a concrete object. The rod is the way the term rod is used when it's used metaphorically to refer to God's authority in our lives. And in this case, uh, the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Foolishness is bound in the heart of the child. But the rod of discipline will drive it far from him simply means that in the discipline of our children, we should be a representation of God's authority in our lives. That is your child's first understanding of God. Your child's first understanding of God, for better or worse, is you. That's a heavy responsibility. You think you can live up to it? God's instructions concerning the rearing of children are perfect 
if we use perfect instructions, we're going to do a whole lot better job than we will if we use instructions from other sinful people. And then you go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, which is also misunderstood. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. That's what it says, right? No, it doesn't. It says, fathers, do not exasperate your children instead. And the whole verse, you see, turns on the word instead or but. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. In other words, and I've said this before, the only set of instructions that will keep you moving in a straight line are God's instructions concerning the rearing of children. If you use any other instructions cobbled together by sinful human beings, you will zigzag all over the parenting playing field. In my books, I try to be as adhere as closely as possible in my advice, in my books, my my public presentations, my counseling, to God's instructions concerning the rearing of children. I keep saying to people, these are not my ideas. God forgive me and God help me if they are my ideas. These are God's instructions. This is the way it used to be done in America when children were raised properly. And they stop throwing tantrums and stop being disobedient by age three. Third birthdays, that was the norm 60 years ago, folks. In addition, a little aside, it was also the norm that children were properly toilet trained by the time they were 24 months of age. So uh, use God's instructions in the raising of a child, or you will exasperate your child. And as uh, the inimitable Forrest Gump said exasperation is as exasperation does. Are you an exasperated parent? Then you aren't using God's instructions. You're using instructions cobbled together by other sinful human beings. You're not trusting in the Lord with all your heart. You're depending on man's understanding. So I told you, I get these uh, letters and uh, emails and so on and so forth. And uh, I got this email from a, a woman somewhere in America, I'm not going to identify her, and I'm not going to give any identifying information, but uh, she begins her email with, I'm sure you're bombarded with testimonies. I hope you have time for one more, because I'd really like to share it with you. My chief of naval operations, Admiral John Richardson, introduced me to your writings in 2002. Well, he and his wife Dana both did. He is my other favorite, J.R., John Roseman, John Richardson. Like you, John is a common-sense, God-fearing family man, a conservative and funny to boot. In 2003, John was my husband's commanding officer. John and Dana had four well-mannered children. They were never overwhelmed, even during deployments. And uh, my husband and I had one very bratty three-year-old son, and I was constantly overwhelmed. I finally asked their secret, and they both said, John Rosemond, read him. I didn't listen. A daughter was born, and things got worse. By the time he was four years old, my son was hitting me and throwing wild tantrums when he didn't get his way. I heard you were coming to speak in Jacksonville, but instead I scheduled an appointment with a psychologist. That was a defining moment, John. Following that meeting, during which our son was diagnosed with ADHD and I was given a prescription for Ritalin, we sat in our car trying to figure out where to go from here. 
I tore up the prescription and in tears said, we are going to hear John Roseman. There must be another way because this is wrong. We heard you speak, read everything I could possibly read authored by you. I boxed up all the other parenting books and took them to Goodwill. I also boxed up everything that belonged to my son, kicked him out of the Garden of Eden. That's in my book, The Well-Behaved Child, folks, if you're interested. I had a handyman saw his bedroom door in half and add a lock on the outside. And with that, and the help of the doctor also in The Well-Behaved Child, my son became a new child that summer before kindergarten. His teacher said he was a model student and could not believe I'd ever had problems with him. She goes on to tell me your son is now in the Naval Academy. Thank you, John Roseman. It's all because of you. Well, really, no, it's not. But thanks anyway. I really appreciate it. That was very heartfelt. Folks, thanks for joining the show. Hope you can join us next week. American Family Radio, 5 o'clock Central Time, all across the country. Bye now. Bye now.